0: The U.S. Air Force, the U.S. Air Force, it's, makes, it's, it's the agency that makes pilots. And in one recent 12-month period, it made 250 of them trained up to fly bombers and fighter jets. But that is versus the 350 who were trained during the same period to fly drones by remote control, never leaving the ground themselves. 350 drone pilots versus 250 traditional. Clearly a trend That has good reasons behind it, as the U.S., uh, and especially the CIA, sends these riderless aircraft week after week after al-Qaeda. But there's also a backlash against the drones and worries that the way that we're using these weapons could come back to bite us. Well, this sounds like the makings of a debate, so let's have it. Yes or no to this statement. The U.S. drone program is fatally flawed. A debate from Intelligence Squared U.S. We're at the Kaufman Music Center in New York City. I'm John Donvan. We have four superbly qualified debaters, two against two, who will argue for and against this motion, the U.S. drone program is fatally flawed. As always, our debate will go in three rounds, and then the live audience votes to choose the winner, and only one side can win. Our motion is, the U.S. drone program is fatally flawed, and let's meet the team arguing for this motion. Uh, let's first welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Ahmed Rashid. And, Ahmed, you're you are um, you're a journalist. You're a best-selling author. In your youth, straight out of Cambridge, you moved to Baluchistan in Pakistan and became a guerrilla fighter and a political organizer for 10 years. You came home with fewer teeth and a case of malaria. You then became a journalist, and before September 11th, you spent some time with the Taliban and wrote a book called Taliban Militant Islam, Oil and Fundamentalism in Central Asia, uh, it was a book that everybody wanted to read after September 11th. According to the New York Times, when you wrote this book, you quote wore out your welcome with the Taliban, meaning that wasn't exactly a fluff piece.
1: Well, that's not entirely true because uh, there is, uh, and there always has been, a peace lobby within the Taliban, and they do talk to me still. But the hard line is, I agree. I uh, don't like me very much.
0: And thank you, Ahmed Rashid, and your partner is your partner is Kale. John Cale Weston. Weston. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, John Cale Weston. Cale, <clears throat> you're also arguing that the U.S. drone program is fatally flawed. You had a very interesting and unorthodox career in the State Department. Uh, You were there for 10 years. Seven of those years, you were in Iraq and Afghanistan, but you were not on a red carpet inside an embassy. You were in the dust with U.S. Marines. You were out there in the field more than any other State Department officer. Newsweek, uh, Kale called you a um, a renegade diplomat in part because of this uh, style in the field, but also because you had some issues in dealing with authority. Uh, So... (laughs) This debate, you're up against a general and an admiral, both four stars. Are you a little intimidated by that?
2: Uh, not really. Not because, they're, <laughs> not because they're not great gentlemen, but, you know, I got starstruck my first year and then realized that I would no more rather be with people in the military than with the gentlemen across the table. But I, I have to say, that being said, uh, you know, Ambassador Holbrook used to remind me what uh, Premier Clemenceau said about war, which is it's too important to leave to military men. If they're feeling bad about that, they just need to Google what General Jack Ripper said in response, which is even a better quote. So thank you.
0: All right. We're going to come back at the end of the debate to find out. Ladies and gentlemen, John Cale Weston. And our motion is the U.S. drone program is fatally flawed. And here to argue against this motion, uh, two debaters. First, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Dennis Blair. Dennis, you are a former director of national intelligence a Retired four-star general in the Navy Sixth generation naval officer in your family You commanded the United States Pacific Command um, Words used about you include often cerebral, brainy, workaholic You're fluent in Russian, you're a Rhodes Scholar uh, But we've also heard that you once tried to water ski behind a Navy destroyer <laughs> which, tell, which tells us what about you
3: well, you, you can be overprepared for the task at hand. <laughs> Thank you, Dennis Blair, ladies and gentlemen. And, Dennis, your partner is? One of the uh, wise warriors of my generation in the Armed Forces, uh, retired Air Force General Norton Schwartz.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, Norton Schwartz, General Norton Schwartz. Norton Schwartz, you're also taking this position against our motion. The motion is the U.S. drone program is fatally flawed. You're arguing against it. Uh, You have only recently retired as the U.S. Air Force's top officer. Uh, You were its chief of staff in 2012 after 39 years of service. Uh, You got interested in flying as a kid. Uh, You graduated from the Air Force Academy. As a command pilot, you have more than 4,400 hours under your belt. And it was under your leadership that actually the Air Force uh, retooled uh, significantly in the direction of uh, drone aircraft, remote pilot, pilot, remotely piloted aircraft. And I, I just want to know, have you actually piloted one of, the, one of those riderless planes?
4: I have. And interestingly enough, it's harder than it looks. It's not a cartoon. Uh, the interesting thing, ladies and gentlemen, is that you don't have the sensations of flight that you actually have in an aircraft, and it it makes a big difference. So it's
0: a different kind of pilot?
4: Well, it is a different piloting experience, for sure. Okay,
0: thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, Norton Schwartz, General Norton Schwartz. (laughs) So as we said at the beginning, this is a debate. It's a contest, and in this contest, only one side wins, and we have you, our live audience, make that choice. By the time the debate is over, we will have asked you to vote twice, once before and once again after you've heard the arguments. And the way we decide victory here, the team who has changed your percentage point, uh, your vote by the most percentage points, will be declared our winner. So let's go now to do the preliminary vote. You go to those keypads that are at your seat, and it's on the right hand, right arm of your seat. You look at the motion, and I want to be careful because there's a kind of a negative built into this motion. Um, the U.S. drone program is fatally flawed This is the team that's taking that position they're, they're for that motion If you agree with them at this point Push number one If you take the opposite side Which means that you're with this team Push number two And if you're undecided, which is perfectly reasonable Push number three And we'll lock the votes in uh, In a couple of seconds If you push the wrong button, just correct yourself And the system will record your last vote and you can ignore all of the other keys. And then you stick around to the end of the debate. We have you vote immediately. And then within about 90 seconds, we find out who has, uh, who has picked up the most percentage points. Okay, we're going to close those out now. Our motion is the U.S. drone program is fatally flawed. On to round one, opening statements from each of our debaters in turn. They will be seven minutes each. First to speak. John Cale Weston. He is a former State Department officer. He spent seven years in Iraq and Afghanistan as an advisor to U.S. Marine combat units. He is now a regular contributor to the Daily Beast. He's writing a book due to be published in 2014. Ladies and
2: gentlemen, John Cale Weston. Thank you. And uh, I want to say it's great to be back in New York City. I was a resident here for four years, and I think it's one of the two most scrappy and resilient places in america i won't say what the other one is but you can probably guess i also have to say that although our topic tonight is drones i think in the back of our mind we know that our nation is having a very important debate about syria and i just want to say i'm grateful that we the people are leading our government on that issue and at least we're pausing for a while perhaps before a decision is made Um, the issue at hand is the motion that Ahmed and i are going to spend seven minutes each uh, as well as the rest of the evening of course uh, we believe strongly that the program is fatally flawed Ahmed will cover some of the issues that I won't we've divided the labor as follows he's going to look at a lot of the legality questions he'll look at uh, from his perspective in Pakistan and all of the great books he has written uh, how much recruiting has actually increased and contrary to I think some of the conventional wisdom how uh, effective uh, and how um, targeted some of these drone strikes are My points are going to be based on having lived in interesting places like Fallujah, Host, Helmand. I view my role tonight as being the ambassador for the people uh, that don't get a voice on this debate, which are really the Afghans and the Pakistanis, most of the people I sat across the table from and and heard the stories after the drones uh, uh, launched the Hellfire missiles. So if I do that well enough, hopefully you'll get some of their voices, which is uh, what motivated me mostly Uh, in this debate, is to not speak as a former State Department official, but to actually speak for for the people. So it's not a headquarters uh, perspective. It's not a State Department official perspective. It's uh, their perspective. One thing left out of my bio was that my mother's a fifth-grade school teacher, so if you'll bear with me, I'm going to ask you to do a couple of things she taught me. Uh, I've got about 30 seconds to ask you for this. So The first is uh, show-and-tell, and and the second is uh, a pop quiz. I'm going to start with the show-and-tell because... I think it reinforces, again, what's lost in the drone debate too often. This is a pakal, which is a wool cap, uh, that basically the more rural uh, parts of Afghanistan, you'll see the the tribal uh, people wearing. Again, I'm trying to give voice to these guys, some of my friends. Just
0: for our radio audience, can you tell them that you're holding up?
2: It's a wool cap that kind of looks like... I don't know how I'd explain it, but it's a pretty cool cap that's round and rolled up at the bottom. Worn worn, by? Worn by by Afghans in the tribal regions. This sparkly cap is called a Kandari, which is what I consider the next generation of leaders that you'll see wearing a lot. And, again, uh, if we're listening to them, what they tell us is basically that the drone program is undercutting them and undercutting their future. And then finally, and I'll be quick, uh, I think I'm speaking on behalf of the frontline troops because – Contrary, again, to conventional wisdom, this Kevlar helmet, which is a marine helmet, uh, I think represents uh, those of us who dodge more IEDs and and dodge more bombs when these drone strikes actually don't hit their target. Okay, the quiz. If you could pull out a piece of paper, uh, my mom will be proud, or if you can take some mental notes, I'm going to ask you two questions, and I think they're important questions and they're relevant. The first is, after 12 years of constant warfare, which really started in the scarred city of New York with lower Manhattan, Uh, what words or adjectives do you think uh, Afghans or Iraqis or Yemenis associate with the United States of America? Nouns, adjectives, whatever comes to mind. And then secondly, what words would you associate with uh, our nation, the United States of America, after 12 years of basically constant warfare? Second question is, why is May 1st, 2010 relevant to this debate? Don't Google it, don't use your iPhones, but if you happen to, if that rings a bell with you, we'll come back to it. The two case studies I'm now going to focus on in about the half of half the time I've got less, uh, left are one from Iraq, Fallujah, uh, and a couple basically from Afghanistan. In 2004, drones were not armed. Uh, they were eyes in the sky. When drones became a fatally flawed, flawed program is really the X that I'm trying to hit here. The Fallujahans would look up, they'd hear a flying lawnmower, the women would hang their clothes and get awkward and uncomfortable, the city leaders would come into our meetings and be irritated, but they weren't yet strategically against us. And, of course, this was the site of the largest battle of the Iraq War. When did they become fatally flawed, and who did they become fatal to? I will argue, and Ahmed will argue as well, they became fatal to civilians, more than a few, and they became fatal, I believe, to all of us. In Afghanistan, in early 2009, Marine uh, General Larry Nicholson and I were in a place called Tagaz, which is basically the southern reaches of our area of operation. We met a bunch of Marines who were alone and unafraid, the edge of the American military empire overstretched, we all know the story. The next day, in the same location, a suicide bomber blew himself up, killed two Marines, and killed a corpsman. If anyone wanted revenge, I did. If anyone wanted revenge, General Larry Nicholson did. If anyone wanted revenge, the United States Marine Corps did. Within a few days, we identified some suspicious-looking guys who were near the area from above. Two drone strikes uh, landed, a couple of Hellfire missiles. One of the men was killed right away. The other one was split in two, and we all watched as he tried to drag himself into the hole uh, from the first strike. He couldn't hide. He bled out. He died. Was he a good guy? Absolutely not. But was he found out to be directly tied to the attack? <clears throat> no. That happens more than we'd like to admit. The next uh, example is based on a New York Times article that just came out on Sunday. And if you may have, you may have read it, but I wanted to be as topical and as uh, uh, recent as I could. Uh, rep- 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 reportedly, 14 uh, Afghans were killed. So I asked a friend of mine uh, who lives in Kunar what he was hearing, and he quoted a villager who said this. May Allah give me power for one day to use a single drone on the American people so that the American politicians understand how much it pains when a missile comes from the sky and kills your relatives in front of your eyes and you can't revenge them anymore. I've got another quote, but I don't have time to get there. In closing, uh, I found a very convincing op-ed by a very senior former member of our government, highly experienced, wrote it brilliantly, uh, brilliant uh, perspective. And it was titled, uh, Drones Alone Are Not the Answer. And it was a New York Times op-ed that came out on August 14, 2011. He said, the important question today is whether continued unilateral drone attacks will substantially reduce al-Qaeda's capabilities. They will not. And I'm pleased that he is on stage with us. It's Admiral Blair. And I look forward to hearing more comments based on the argument he made in the New York Times. So I'm out of time, but thank you. Thank you,
0: John Cale Weston. Our motion is the U.S. drone program is fatally flawed. And here to speak against the motion in the opening position, General Norton Schwartz. He retired as Chief of Staff of the U.S. Air Force in 2012 after serving 39 years. He is currently President and CEO of Business Executives for National Security. Ladies and gentlemen, General Norton Schwartz.
4: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen and our fellow debaters on behalf of Admiral Blair. It's a privilege to be here to address with you a very, very important topic. And Cale, I would argue that I'm representing the troops in the field tonight. And, and we, can, yeah, we, we can talk about the, the relative advantages. But I think it's important also to address the issue Cale mentioned of the strike on Sunday. It's important to know that that strike killed the individual who publicly admitted to kidnapping Sergeant uh, Bo Mer- Bergdahl of the United States Army, who was still the only uh, American service person who is incarcerated in Afghanistan today. Now, it may be that, uh, that others were also injured in, or killed in this event. But I would argue that Afghanistan is a declared combat zone, ladies and gentlemen. And under the rules of armed conflict, that this individual was a legitimate target and clearly a combatant. And he will kidnap no more American servicemen. But let me go back to uh, a bit more Balanced discussion. What I want to do tonight, and I submit, ladies and gentlemen, that the employment of U.S. strike capable systems is a viable and a rational response to a vexing battlefield problem, one that must be calibrated, used with care, synced with policy, but nonetheless one that allows us to pursue our objectives in a fashion that minimizes loss of life for friendly forces and maximizes the the opportunity to avoid needless casualties of friendlies, in other words, collateral damage. Simply, remotely piloted aircraft or drones permit more considered and more accurate and, as a result, more proportionate application of lethal force than any other comparable weapon system. Because they can spend longer time over the target than equivalent manned aircraft, they give their operators the time to maximize the certainty but not necessarily achieve absolute certainty that they are engaging the right enemy combatants and that they have the time and the means to confirm the presence of noncombatants in the presence of the intended target. Thoughtful observers like our partners tonight have mentioned a number of criticisms. Let me talk quickly about a couple of them. One is that the absence of physical risk to the operator encourages our political leadership to use remote systems more often than they would if they had to put American troops in harm's way. I would counter by asking, whether those who use this argument would prefer for the american military to absorb casualties just for the purpose of making war less numbing to the political leadership in addition at the tactical level is the ability of remote systems to maintain surveillance of target areas with remote operators carefully and deliberately evaluating potential targets against the criteria that allows them to shoot that makes this system so discriminating and effective. Soldiers and airmen under fire on the ground, I think you would agree, Kale, are far more likely to shoot back at the sources of Aimed, of, of fire aimed against them with greater danger to non-combatants than our remote operators whose safety and lives are not at immediate risk. There's also a concern that non-state or state actors will use these technologies against us in a more crude and indiscriminate fashion than do we, and well, they might. But the reality is, is that this technology is proliferating, and not because we chose to use it. It is a fact of technology advancing, and our lead was and remains significant. So let me go to a quick summary of some data. This goes back to 2011 in Afghanistan during the surge period. There were about 150,000 Air Force flights in Afghanistan in 2011. Sadly, about 3,000 of those flights were medical evacuation sorties of our wounded and our dead. Compare that total to 25,000 close air support sorties in support of ground forces, your Marines, of which 1,400 had at least one weapon release. So what this means is, is out of 25,000 sorties, 1,400 actually released a weapon. There were many sorties that flew with no weapon release at all. That's what a professional Air Force does. Ready, finger on the trigger, but extremely careful and deliberate about applying lethal force in practice and in principle. 333 of those 400 weapon releases were by remote systems. Now I ask you, were those releases, the, the three-quarters of the releases from manned aircraft, somehow more practical, less immoral, less unfair than those 25 percent that were released by un- unmanned aircraft? I think not.
0: Thank you, Norton Schwartz. Our motion is the U.S. drone program is fatally flawed, and here to speak in support of the motion, in other words, he feels the program is fatally flawed, Ahmed Rashid. He is a Pakistani journalist based in Lahore and the best-selling author of several books, including Taliban and Pakistan on the Brink. Ladies and gentlemen, Ahmed Rashid.
1: First, the first thing I think to make clear is that, unfortunately, drones, which is a, it's a weapon, it's a tool, it's a tactic, has almost become a strategy in itself. And this is how foreign governments and, and countries where drones are being used see it all the good uh, of us foreign policy uh, aid foreign aid training of security forces bank loans etc cetera, etc cetera, all are demolished when um, at the same time the us uses drones so in fact drones are undermining us foreign policy they become the only symbol of foreign policy which people abroad remember when they are when those countries in particular are targeted and it's many of the, uh, some of the countries, uh, like Yemen, like Pakistan, are in fact allies of the United States. And drones are being used against allies. Naturally, that is infuriating the population um, even more. Secondly, how badly have drones affected? Um, the counter-terrorism strategy, the much more sophisticated strategy that has emerged from the U.S. in the last few years, where the whole strategy has been to protect populations, to provide economic incentives, uh, development, etc. Again, here we see the counterterrorism strategy being undermined completely by drones because you know that people are very scared of them and they do um, take out civilian um, uh, 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 targets just as much as they take out al-Qaeda. Uh, the other question which I think has to be agitating the minds of many Americans is, is, is how legal is this? How legal is it to bomb and kill um individuals in another country with which you are not at war with which uh nothing has been disclosed there's no transparency involved no, nobody is informed as to why and how uh these people are being killed um and often this is again taking place in countries you know that are allies of um uh, uh the US the lack of transparency is not helped by the fact that the CIA has been mostly involved in using drones, especially in, in, in Pakistan. Um, if uh, And certainly there's a move now to move some of these drone attacks to the Defense Department, but and that could increase transparency. But at the moment, the CIA is running it, and nobody knows how these targets are chosen um, or, or whether killing these individuals are justified or not. Now, what all this is leading to is an enormous buildup of hatred for the United States. And that is, is not just affecting um, uh, people in the target countries, but people all over the Muslim world in particular. Um, it's quite shocking to see the figures in Pakistan. Uh, um, one poll puts 74% of Pakistanis now hate the U.S. more than India. And remember, Pakistan has fought three wars against India, and India is the proverbial enemy. Another poll that I just read recently in Chicago, yesterday, put it at 94%. You know? um, and here, as, as I stress, we're talking about a so-called ally of, of, of the United States. Now, what should also be worrying is the precedent that is being set. What happens when another country will start using drones? First of all, what happens if a European country or Russia or a so-called ally of the United States uses drones? What is the U.S. strategy going to be? How is that going to affect U.S. foreign policy? Are you going to slap that country down? Are you going to tell that country to behave itself and say, no, only we have the right to kill people in other countries. You don't have that right. Even more dangerous, what happens when an enemy of the United States uses drones what happens if north korea tomorrow uses drones to kill south koreans what happens if um um uh, uh, al qaeda itself develops um drones what happens if any if 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 the syrians or any of the, the 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 problematic regimes dictatorships start using drones um so what will be the us policy then are you going to go and bomb those countries um, are you going to try and go, you know, what is the U.S. strategy policy going to be? There's a complete vacuum here. There's no thought being given to this. But this could happen tomorrow. Drones now, drones now are everywhere. Drones are being used for all sorts of other, you know, peaceful um, projects. And any of those drones can be bought on the market and they can be converted into um, drones that kill people. And 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 I think that the idea that you know somehow the U.S. is going to have a monopoly over this 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 instrument forever is um, very short-sighted. Um, I think the other thing that is that I must answer the, the issue of civilian casualties. There is, for example, a drone strategy now where um, uh, uh, drones fire what are called signature strikes. That is, if. A bunch of militants are seen or one or two militants are seen in a group of civilians or, you know, sitting in a bus or sitting in a truck or something like that. Um, Drones are used, can be used to kill that militant. But, of course, they kill everybody else in the truck too, women, children, men, um, uh, civilians. Now, um, the last drone strike, actually on Sunday, was not the one um, that the, the general mentioned, but was one in which 16 civilians were killed. And President Karzai has just complained to, you know, to the Americans, and they were killed by a drone because there were a couple of militant guys in the midst of these people. I think they were on a bus or a truck or something like that. So the fact is, I mean, the, the issue of civilian casualties is very controversial. The Americans do not tell us what, um, uh, you know, how many civilians are, uh, have been killed. But estimates from other groups put uh, the, dro- the casualties in Pakistan alone somewhere between 500 and 1,000. I mean, that's the level of inaccuracy that we have because we really don't know. These areas are inaccessible, or um, and and the people who would know certainly by watching the video screen, the drone firer, um, that kind of information um, is 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 not available. And um, secondly, I you know, and, and lastly, I think we have to understand how drones have become a recruiting poster for Al Qaeda and for global jihad. Even local groups, local militant groups in countries which had nothing to do with al-Qaeda, nothing to do with global jihad, um, if they have been droned, they become global jihadists. They want to strike back at America. They want to kill Americans. And that is really what is very dangerous, that more and more groups who are really fighting local wars and conflicts are becoming militarized and are wanting to strike back at the United States and at other countries. Ahmed Rashid, your
0: time is up. Thank you very much. And here's where we are. We are in the opening round of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate where our motion is, the U.S. drone program is fatally flawed. You have heard three of the opening statements and now on to the fourth. Let's welcome to the lectern Admiral Dennis Blair. Dennis Blair served as Director of National Intelligence during his 34-year Navy career and served as Commander-in-Chief of U.S. Pacific Command. Ladies and gentlemen, Admiral Dennis Blair.
3: Thank you. General Schwartz addressed the uh, use of drones in a battlefield area with U.S. troops uh, deployed. I'm going to talk about the more controversial uh, program in which we use drones in areas in which we do not have our troops in action. And Pakistan, of course, is the the primary example that comes comes to mind. In fact, probably our motion tonight, U.S. drone program is fatally flawed, is shorthand for the american drones in pakistan have been a failure and you've heard from mr rashid uh, some of the uh, objections uh, to the, to that uh, i would tell you that there in fact is no independent drone program the drones are part of a wider strategy which is dedicated to ending the threat from al qaeda a threat with which this city is very very familiar the policy of the drones, a tactic to to an end, are to take care of the hardcore leaders and fighters who are not persuadable, who are not going to change their demonstrated and committed intention to kill as many Americans as they can uh, before they can can accomplish that. A conflict between a country, the United States, And a non-state group like al-Qaeda is allowed under international humanitarian law, and that's what we are involved in. It began here uh, almost 12 years ago, 12 years ago tomorrow. It has continued with al-Qaeda's affiliates. Al-Qaeda in the the Arabian peninsula uh, sent a bomber to try to kill a bunch of Americans in an airplane over Detroit. Uh, TTP, Tariq Taliban in Pakistan sent uh, Faisal Shahad, A few blocks south of here to Times Square to kill a bunch of uh, innocent Americans if he, if he could. We are at war with this, with this group. And the leadership of these organizations uh, hold up in places like Northwest Pakistan and Yemen, places where the governments of our allies, as Mr. Rashid said, do not control their territory. It's worse in Pakistan. They not only do not control their territory, They give permission to the United States to take action where they cannot, and then they blame us for doing it, which accounts for a great deal of the sentiment in Pakistan when a a dissembling uh, hypocritical policy of Pakistani politicians allows them to blame us for actions which they themselves uh, permit. But they could stop us from doing it any time, and the government in Yemen, uh, by way of contrast, uh, openly cooperates with us and tells its people that it, that it does. Now, the drones have been successful. We have killed most of the people who planned, who directed, and then who gloated over the felling of the Twin Towers, the attack on the Pentagon, and the aborted attack that ended in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. And we have done that not only with drones, but by armed raids, as we saw in, in Pakistan, by a lot of cooperation uh, with other countries, and, a lot of, and by a lot of hard intelligence. So drones have played a key role in a successful, what I would argue, first phase of our overall campaign of, against al-Qaeda. But what about the next phase? I think the role of drones in the next phase should be much different, not because the program has been a failure but because the situation has changed and the drones and other, thing, and other tactics have been successes. Now the job is to reduce al-Qaeda from a small-scale threat, which is where it now is, to a nuisance. And to do that, we have to undercut support for al-Qaeda. We have to make sure that Muslim mothers and fathers don't think it's a good idea to send their sons and daughters to strap on suicide vests and to kill innocent people around the, around the world. Al-Qaeda is doing a wonderful job against itself. It has killed far more Pakistanis, far more Muslims than it has Americans and Europeans, but we need to help it further along. And we must do that by becoming even more selective, even more discriminating, even more careful in our use of weapons like drones in the future. And the great bulk of our efforts must be dedicated to helping countries like Pakistan, like Yemen, like Mali, like the southern Philippines, like Somalia, like Libya, like Afghanistan, to make their lives better for their people so that they do not support those who attack the United States and their own governments and and others and this means that we need to continue to work with them we need to train their security forces to do their jobs to provide security to do it humanely respecting the rights of the of the people more than that we need to help them provide economic opportunity security dignity in the words of the, the words of the Arab spring There will be a role for drones in that next phase of this this long-term combat against uh, al-Qaeda, but it will be a more limited, more discriminating role. And the policy in the past certainly has not been a failure, and it must adapt to be a success in the future. And it's only through a campaign like this, ladies and gentlemen, that I believe that we can turn al-Qaeda into just one more in the long line of terrorist groups that flared up, guttered, and then died, which is where it belongs. Thank you. Thank you, Dennis Blair. And that
0: concludes round one of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate, where our motion is the U.S. drone program is fatally flawed. Now we move on to round two, and round two is where the debaters address one another directly and answer questions from you in the audience and as me from, and from me as well. We have two teams of two arguing against this motion, the team arguing for the motion that the program is fatally drawn, uh, Ahmed Rashid and John Cale Weston, the journalist and the diplomat. Uh, we've heard them argue that uh, drones give a bad name to the United States, that they have become a negative symbol to many people in the world who live under uh, underneath them that... Uh Um, they are killing civilians as much as they're killing al-Qaeda, that signature strikes are taking out civilians, uh, and that they're a a factor that is building up hatred against the United States and working as a recruiting poster for al-Qaeda. The team arguing against the motion, the Admiral and the General, Dennis Blair and Norton Schwartz, are arguing that drones are far more accurate than any comparable weapon system, that they minimize loss of life certainly for U.S. troops but also for civilians on the ground because of that accuracy. Accuracy, that they're a tool that lets the US military reach uh, the enemy in extremely difficult to reach places, and that they have done their job, that they have decimated Al Qaeda. I want to go to uh, the, quest, the team that's arguing against the motion, which means that you do not think the program is flawed, and, and quote back to you something that one of your opponents, Ahmed Rashid, said, in which he said, and I'm pretty close to verbatim here, um, he said that, the, that drones take out civilian targets. Just as much as they take out Al Qaeda, and I don't know Ahmed uh, how literally you meant that, but I want to put the question to this side in, in terms of this proportion of civilian casualties to uh, to desired targets. What what do we know about that? Well, the best uh, Norton Schwartz.
4: The best information we have. One of the best sources is the Long War Journal, and and it's esti- it estimates that. Civilian casualties versus legitimate combatants in the Afghan theater is about one to seven. In other words, one civilian casualty to seven legitimate combatant casualties. In Yemen, the numbers are somewhat different, about one civilian casualty to five. Now, you can question whether long war, war journals uh, analysis is accurate. It's consistent with some of the UN reporting as well. I would argue again that any loss of life, any civilian loss of life, is is not what uniform personnel strive to for. They strive to avoid that outcome.
0: Let me take it over to Ahmed Rashid. Rashid, uh, Ahmed, I was I was quoting you as saying that the civilian loss is just as much as the, uh, the, 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 the deaths of al-Qaeda targets. I don't know if you meant it 50-50, if that's what your point was.
1: Well, you know, we we really don't know. I mean, but certainly, uh, you know, there's enough evidence uh, in in countries like Pakistan and Afghanistan that civilians, you know, have died in, in considerable numbers. Now, that's probably le- getting less and less as drones become more and more accurate. But as long as things like what I described, these signature strikes continue, where it is justified for a controller to drop a bomb on a group of people in which some of them may be militants and others not, obviously you 're going to get civilian casualties, and you know as as the admiral said, I mean this is a war zone, and in a war zone you 're going to get civilian casualties the fact The factor of the matter is that you know um, this is really uh, undermining and destroying everything else that the u s is trying to do in these countries
0: I want to come a little bit later back to the topic of uh, of signature strikes and talk about those more specifically, but just uh, back to to uh, Dennis Blair on this notion of of the uh, the accuracy of these weapons, um, your your team is arguing that, in fact, because they can hover over an area for so many hours, because um, maybe you're even saying because there's not a pilot with his heart beating and racing and being shot at that there can there's a more uh, a rational and, and sober process happening at the pilot end of this, and that that makes them safer and more accurate. Is that is there something I'm trying to get at? Is there something in the nature of the weapon itself that that uh, Results in an accuracy that's being produced on the battlefield because your opponents are saying that they're sloppy.
3: Well, I think you have to say compared to, compared to what? And when one compares the uh, accuracy and the and the uh, killing and wounding of, of bystanders from drones compared to, for example, artillery, which is a an, an, another uh, means uh, close air support from a manned uh, manned aircraft. Uh, then it has fewer uh, innocent uh, casualties that doesn 't mean it 's zero and everyone, as general Schwartz said uh, is to be to be uh, greatly re- regretted but um, but it is a i can tell you uh, your regrets are fewer if you're operating drones than if you're shooting artillery or having manned aircraft uh, being okay. called in.
0: Let me, let me take that then to the other side and to take it to John Cal West. And the other side is making a compelling argument that, in fact, the number of casualties is going to be lower than if somebody were dropping a bomb, firing an artillery shell, or even putting boots on the ground, that the proportion is lower.
2: No, I think that the, the key part of the, the ratio of one to seven and one to five is the equal sign behind. And that equal sign is a factor of two, three, four, five. What basically I think we're... Losing focus of is what kind of reaction are you getting in village after village after village and how many more enemies and how many more targets are you creating even if one Afghan or one Pakistani is killed. John, I, I want to let you have a run at, at that point, but it doesn't actually answer the, I, the question I, of, do, I of, think that the just numbers, in terms of body count. The body count, you know, having been close to these drone strikes, you know, we tell ourselves often what we want to hear and that gets translated into memos in Washington, but the, the Afghans and the Pakistani stories that I've heard is that it's, whether it's 1 to 7 or 1 to 5, it's it's a lot more than any of us would like to admit to each other. So I I don't want to argue numbers. I think it's a strategic equal sign at the end of the ratio that is the real problem.
0: Okay. I do want to come back to what you're talking about, the equal sign being the impact on the image of the United States. But your other side has already heard you make that argument, so I want to give them a chance to respond to that. And I'll I'll go to uh, to Norton Schwartz. Your opponents have said they've referred to the drones as a recruiting uh, poster for al-Qaeda because of the bitter resentment that is resulting uh, in areas where they're being used, and uh, do, you, do you see that? I
4: I understand the argument, but, I, but the counter to it is the reality that the U.N. reports that 80 to 84 percent of the civilian casualties in Iraq and Afghanistan were caused by the insurgency.
2: General, I, I absolutely. I mean, Muslims are killing more Muslims than Muslims were killing me or the Marines or the generals that I worked with. They wanted to kill us. We're hard to get. I think the issue...
4: I, I, you make my point.
2: Well, but drones, you've made a point earlier on about, you know, pilots being somehow more rational, being removed from the battle operating out of Nellis Air Force Base in Nevada or wherever they're operating out of. I, I would disagree. We don't give medals for restraint we give medals for 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 combat valor, no, but no, I saw a lot of restraint on the front look, lines.
4: Look, your your Marines were rigorous about applying the rules of engagement, and so are our pilots, Kale. The bottom line is, this is about discipline, and 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 I agree. There, civilian casualties is the equal sign, and everyone knows that, and. Are mistakes made from time to time, yes, but that is not the policy, nor is it the training, nor is it the supervision
1: of those assets? Ahmed Rashid. If, if, if I can just make one point, neither of you two, with all due respect, have addressed this whole issue about U.S. foreign policy and the use of drones. The fact is that today, you know, you're throwing technology at, an, at, at foreign policy conundrums with, where you should throw aid or, or diplomats or uh, peacekeepers or whatever it is. What we are seeing uh, today in many parts of the world where drones are being used, that foreign policy is being subsumed by technology We've never had this before. I mean, how can you allow technology to determine I, I mean, what are, your foreign policy is? Are you, are you be? saying
0: then that, that drones represent a, that drones in themselves represent a new dimension in this conflict? In other words, are you? Are you? Would you be making the same argument if planes were dropping bombs in these communities that you're making because drones are 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 hovering over them?
1: No, I'm saying that this is the impact that they're having in, in the countries that receive these drones. This is what the public thinks this is what you know uh, this is why there's so much but is that drone is against... that
0: drone specific or is that ordnance is that explosive no it, it's
1: about drones because the you know d- drones are a very sinister way of you know it it, it uh, of killing people. I mean, you right. know, they're not is, accepted as a normal... Right. Let me, I, let, is let is me bring in Dennis Blair. Uh, General,
0: Stanford? let me just bring in uh, Dennis Blair. Hasn't well, well let, yeah. Yemen let me... Let me yeah, Dennis, Dennis Blair, one second. Parents are challenging their kids to go Kale to by let saying the
2: drones are going to come after you. You'll
0: get your turn,
3: and let Dennis me, Blair... Let me talk about uh, Yemen and just take us a little bit out of Pakistan here for a while. In the last two years, we have uh, given $200 million in assist, $600 million in assistance to Yemen. Of that... Virtually two thirds has been economic economic assistance, humanitarian assistance, and governance uh, assistance roughly one third has gone to gone to uh, security assistance that is to the yemen Yemeni so we do have a broad based uh, program in places like Yemen. We are trying to work on places. The media impression, however, is fascinated with the with the drones they 're sexy they 're they're sinister. they so on. So I'm, I'm sorry, but the reality is that it is a broad-based program of which drones are a part, used very selectively. And the people who uh, look carefully can under- understand that. The people who just uh, want to read the first headline and say that's all of American policy are going to stop there.
2: I, you know, there are two narratives that work understand. here. There's the, the American narrative and there's their narrative. We spend a lot of time talking to each other about our narrative, but if you listen to the future leaders of Afghanistan, you listen to the next generation, drones is a big issue because it is about the legalities. The law students at Host University used to ask me, what is your case for drones? Just like Guantanamo, just like the language of these wars that we're in. They are very, very big on how we're doing our wars. So if we lose that narrative to Al-Qaeda, I do think that ratio is actually the equal sign. And if I lined up a bunch of Afghans on this stage, I can tell you what they tell us is probably what we don't want to hear, but we need to hear. And that's really the goal for me tonight, is to, is to bring their voice into this debate. Back on the issue, though, of, of whether... You I mean, know, look,
0: before you go to that issue, and tell me what it is, because
2: I do want to remember it. But... <laughs> it's back to you know dropping bombs from Nevada in Pakistan. All right,
0: I want to come back to that, because the point that you just made, you're reporting from the ground. You're basically telling the, the, the high-ranking officers that you were there and that despite their understanding of the situation, that because you're on the ground, you're reporting back what you think the Afghans think, that you're sharing what your perception of their hearts and minds. I just want to take that to, the, to this side. I, I think it's offered in, 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 in honesty for, that this absolutely lying. is what, what he sees. Doubt. And so what they're saying, regardless of the intentions and even the structure, that word is out, not just in the American media, but that word is out in the communities that the the drones are different, drones are more dangerous, drones, uh, you used the word uh, sinister, that that it's a different kind of thing. And I just want to, if you were having dinner about this conversation, and he shared that I'm just back, what would you say to him?
4: It's pretty straightforward, (laughs) actually, and that is that the the reality is that we have a a scenario where the, the Weapon. The platform is not the issue. It's the legitimacy of the target and the targeting methodology that goes along with it.
2: Could I put on the table the issue of double and triple tapping? There, there are a Explain number, of, a number or... of cases where, and I've lived this, where, especially in host province where Mohammed Atta was trained. This is territory directly tied to nine eleven. unlike Iraq when you double and triple tap you're not even going after the initial target you're actually dropping bombs on the people that come after round 2 or round 3 what's the rationale what's the intelligence what's the argument that you would make to a law student sitting at host university one on second that? Is, did
0: everybody follow what double tap and triple tap means no all right it's when basically it's a follow up it's a it's a second wave a third wave of, a, of a attack bombs. If, uh, if and, and, and 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 what kale is saying that he believes he'd seen it happen where the the second wave comes when the when the firefighters and the hospital people arrive. I think that's what Family members, community okay. members, whoever
2: it is, they right. get I just wanted get to get have clarity to. for you
0: on that.
4: But just to, <laughs> to, to set the stage, when I became the chief in 2008, we had 32 24-7 orbits of remote aircraft. When I left, we had 58. Now, we didn't do that because... You know, we, we were sort of generous. The reason we did it is because there was a demand signal from the supported forces, the Marines and the Army, to provide the kind of overhead surveillance and strike capability that minimized the risk to their forces. And I I would argue, Kale, that this is this was not just some perception in Washington, but this was real down on the ground.
2: No, I, I General Admiral, you know I have the greatest respect for you. My my sand is still deep in my shoes and so I bring baggage with me. However, I found that the commanders on the ground, of the 12 to 14 Marine generals I worked with, the closer they were to the drones, the more skeptical they were. doesn't mean that all of your arguments are false. It doesn't mean I think every drone needs to be, you know, eliminated from the battlefield. But the closer you are to where the strategic defect is with the people, the more critical I found the Marine commanders to be. I don't want to, you know, speak for all of them, but it was it was a a pretty clear pattern.
0: They
4: should probably speak for themselves.
0: Ahmed Rashid, I want to move this to a different direction. Your opponents have made the point repeatedly, particularly in their opening statements, that the drones have killed a lot of guys that they were supposed to kill, that they have decimated Al Qaeda and that Al Qaeda is on the way to becoming a footnote in history because of it, which was the whole purpose. These are the guys who blew up buildings in this city. do you dispute their effectiveness
1: on that agenda? No, I don't dispute their uh, effectiveness. Obviously, this is a military weapon that has been developed to do a certain thing, and it's it's going to be further developed. It's going to be used even more. Um, I I think the... The point is that it is, it is being, it is being used very indiscriminately and without any kind of, um, scrutiny or, um, um, s- self-knowledge even amongst Americans. Um, at the whole issue of, of legality, the whole issue of the precedent that it sets for other countries to follow, there are a whole range of, of, political issues and political answers that are needed in order for this weapon to be really legal, be legitimate, and be justified. And that is the point. I don't dispute at all that certainly many senior members of al-Qaeda have been killed. But this is a weapon that has opened up a Pandora's box of questions, especially for those countries who are in receipt of this weapon, you know, at the receiving end. And and I think we need, you know, we need answers. I think this question of precedent is absolutely paramount at the moment. With what All you right. know, well, if Syria is using, is she, let's uh, take it to Dennis just, Boyer. Just
3: because you've discovered the drones doesn't mean that this is the first time that anybody has ever thought about these questions. This is a weapon system which combines the capabilities of surveillance and and attack and it is operated according to the the rules of law, the control procedures, the follow-up procedures that the U.S. Armed Forces use for all of the weapon systems that we have over the years. We know how to take new weapon systems, use them for mission purposes, control them so that they're done legally, with lawyers in the command loop to a much greater extent than they are for most any other other weapons, and you use them for your purpose and you try to minimize the the uh, harmful side effects of which there are many, as there are for any any weapon system. In order to get the mission done, I'm going to and let the side resp- that's how we do it. I'm going to let this
0: side respond. Is, I just want to let the audience know that after this response, I want to start going to your questions. And the way this will work, if you raise your hand uh, and I call on you, just stand where you are. Somebody will come down the mic- uh, aisle and hand a microphone to you. Hold it about this. Distance from your mouth uh, so that the radio broadcast can get you. We would really like it if you would state your name and then ask a tight, focused question that's on point for us. Okay, let's go to the side for the response. Just
2: briefly, I I want to actually give voice to a a real live Afghan, and I'm going to read a quote. Uh, When that incident happened that the New York Times covered, uh, a friend of mine went to a tribal elder, and this is what the tribal elder said. Suraj Haqqani, the senior most leader of the Haqqani Network, said that since the USA is using drones against the people, the people will use Patriot missiles against the USA. Someone in the village asked what he meant. Where are the Patriot missiles? Suraj replied, suicide bombers are our Patriot missiles. The question I don't think we still had answered, for example, on the legality question, and I know we're not in a law seminar, but it's an important one because it, it, it's what motivates terrorists to hurt us. Because at the end of the day, I think everyone in this room needs to ask the fundamental question, which is, are you and your family safer because of the drone program as it's currently structured or not? Um, what is the legality of the third wave of, of drone strikes in terms of a triple tap? What is the legality of that? What are the lawyers in Washington arguing? They're not the initial targets. There's not intel tied to them.
0: If, Norman Schwartz:
4: If you are in a declared combat area, as as was the case in Fallujah or in in other areas that you're familiar with, if you have combatants that depart that initial strike area, this was not this was not unlike what happened with Zarqawi. The bottom line was now that was a man strike, and hopefully you know I make no apologies for that either. But the bottom line is that that we have a we have a situation where you you have people that depart a site that that had combatants that was identified as a location and they depart that area and you reengage this is what happens when people leave a foxhole or when people depart a a a, a tank in a tank battle the bottom the bottom line kale I think is in, you 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 argue for discretion I believe in that too but on the battlefield the 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 principle is to engage the enemy it it is that
2: well we went through a phase in fallujah where everyone was a military aged male and I finally told the generals in baghdad At that point, I was young enough that I was still a military-aged male, according to our definition. We then switched that definition because we started to treat every Iraqi as a potential threat. And I'll be honest with you. If you're a Taliban member and you're living in a community around family and friends, with all due respect, I don't think that that makes you a legitimate target, and that's, in effect, what's been happening. I
4: agree with that. I agree. But if you're carrying an arm, if you have a weapon... I would argue, in a combat zone, that makes you a legitimate
0: target. Let's go to some questions. Right down in the front here.
4: And the point is you can see the weapons from these platforms.
2: Thanks. Yes and no.
4: Um,
0: thank you for taking my question.
2: Um, I just wanted to address uh, this question
0: to the would gentleman. Would you mind telling us your name? Oh, my name is Jordan Bennett. Thanks. Um, I just wanted to address this question to the gentleman on the left. Um, you bring up these points that... um. The uh, the Afghani people, the Pakistani people are upset, and it's, incre- it's increasing recruitment for al-Qaeda and other um, anti-U.S. sentiment in these areas because we're using drones. Um, would the effect not be the same if we were using cluster bombs or snipers or landmines or any other way of killing these people. Is it the drone yeah. that's the issue? Or that's is an excellent just question. I, I, I had actually put it before and didn't feel that I got answered. So thank you for bringing it up a second time. Yeah. Uh, let's put it to let's put it to Ahmed Rashid.
1: No, it is the drone. D- the drones are an issue because you know, as I said, I mean, this is the, the most sinister weapon that has come into the marketplace. That you know, there's no individual behind it. There's no judgments being made, um, and uh, uh, people are Ahmed, very, do you, very scared. Ahmed, did, if, you,
0: to, Ahmed, I just want to ask you because it's a bold statement. You're, you're seriously saying no judgments are being made. In these, after everything said, well, this, these is, this is
1: what people what people presume that somehow you know the, these automatic weapons come up into the sky and they shoot you know at will and they shoot down uh, whatever's on the ground. Yeah. I mean, there are all sorts of stories and mythologies about drones, um, which unfortunately are you know have been created. And and as I said, this is why this weapon, the the chances of this weapon getting out of hand, getting into the wrong hands. Um, and being used indiscriminately um, in many other parts of the world um, is, is, you know, we should take the example of what um, uh, the, the reaction already we are seeing in Pakistan, Yemen, and other places.
2: Yeah, the, I'll briefly, the rules of engagement are pretty tight uh, in marine combat units. And so, yes, there's going to be blowback. It's a good question. It's a very legitimate question. The drones are being used in Pakistan, northwest uh, province, basically, outside Miram Shah, which is a very different arena than in the conventional side on on the Afghan side of the border. Bottom line is, though, is it's what the the rules, the lack of the rules, actually, I believe, in our drone program that is the biggest problem. There is not, for example, a a Marine general necessarily that technically can command where those drones go because they're operated in a different chain of command, and we don't need to get too technical, um, and that may be changing. Um, But yes, Afghans are going to respond to a cluster bomb going off. Or an RPG being launched in the wrong direction But I have faith that our forces If one thing over 12 years have learned Is they've learned quite a bit of restraint And then the rules of engagement have gotten a lot tighter
0: um, here's, here's my bias tonight We have five guys on the stage And all I see are guys raising their hands Are there any women who would like to get their voices Into this conversation? Right there, thank you Be good, okay? But could you st- stand up?
1: Well, I'll try. Um, Hi, my name's Alyssa, and um, this is directed towards uh, Admiral Blair and General Schwartz. And um, we talked a lot about how the drones may be causing a lot of innocent civilians to really have hate towards the American people. So do you think that the number of terrorists you have successfully killed using drones is greater than the number of young people who will be conditioned to hate America from the drone strikes and therefore become terrorists themselves? But do
0: you seriously, I mean, I see where you're getting with the question. They just can't count on that. They can't count. They oh, wouldn't of course have a count. Not. But your, your larger point is, I, I, I mean, I'm just kind of rephrasing, but your larger point is Are they creating more enemies than they're killing? Is that basically what you're? Yes, that is, yeah, the basis of my
1: question. Okay, so
0: you don't mind if they answer that the question phrased that way?
2: Yes,
1: I want you to have ownership. Okay, that's good.
0: So go ahead. Um, I think it's a great. I think it's a great question. I just didn't want to. I didn't want their dodge to be. Well, I don't have a count of that. I wanted. Okay, go ahead. No, that wasn't going
3: to be my dodge. uh. (laughs) (laughs) Dennis Blair. (laughs) It's a judgment. It's a judgment. If there were a wonder weapon that would only kill Al Qaeda dedicated card-carrying members, would touch no one else, could be deployed from this room by pressing this button, I'd be all for, we, I'd be all it. for it. We'd use it. We'd we'd invent it first and then we'd use it. It doesn't. We have a set of imperfect tools that we use to try to deal with this group of people who has declared war on us and who is far. Less discriminant, more ruthless, more killing in their approach than, than we are. And you have to make a call as to just how hard you use that weapon because it kills other people and it causes other effects, which our opponents have ably said. I think that judgment has to be made continually, reevaluated. As you, as you go, and I'm sure that there have been times in the past in which we have erred on the side of using it too much. I think we learn from those, and as the President has said in his uh, opening statements, or his statements uh, in recent weeks, uh, we've, Dennis, we've had I, to I, cut I, it I'm, down. I'm not, so I think it's a judgment, and I think we're making it in the right direction.
0: I'm not sure, though, that you answered the question of whether you think the blowback is so serious. In other words, are you saying that, that, that and, and she's to some degree channeling this side's argument, that it, the use of the weapon, the way it's being used, is creating uh, such ill will that it's creating enemies. And I'm not sure that you addressed whether you think that it is or not, or whether you think it is, but not enough to make it a disqualifier for the weapon.
3: I think the only overall judgment we can make is that Al-Qaeda is far less capable of the sort of attacks that it was in the past than it is now. Drones have been a part of reducing it in that, in that capability and therefore overall the balance is in favor of the sort of campaign the United States has conducted.
4: And I, I would only amplify by, Jordan Schwartz, if I may, by suggesting that you have a situation where you want desperately to avoid having a larger military presence which i you know clearly would have its own negative effect on on local population perceptions so so my my counter question would be what's the alternative what what is the least intrusive invasive alternative that we have been seeking for some time and all i can tell you is that every flag Senior flag
0: officer on the military side that has looked at this problem has, has sought that solution. That's a question I'd like to put to the other side since you've actually phrased it as a question. If you want to kill al-Qaeda in these hard-to-reach places today, what is the alternative to the drones?
2: Kill us. You know, I, my view has always been the most important battle going on does not include U.S. Marines versus Taliban. It's inside the mosques, inside the madrasas, it's inside the communities. And actually, our best allies are the ones that are most critical of this program. So if we're undercutting but our... But bottom our line, af- are
0: you saying not, not to try to kill them?
2: Well, no, no. I, again, I'm not a person that says all drones need to be taken off the, 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 out of the sky. But what I am saying is that we've lost the strategic narrative so that, General, I'm all in favor of not sending in the 1st Marine Division anywhere again for the most part. However, I think that we've lost sight of who the best fighters are in these battles and it's actually not an American anywhere. It's an Afghan, it's a Yemeni, it's a Pakistani. So when you listen to our allies who want us to succeed, who want us to be safe, they are pretty uniform in their indictment of drones. It's
0: easy to do that
4: if they don't control their own territory.
2: Well, that's a, that's a government-to-government discussion. I agree with that. As far as the tactic, it's what Ahmed, my you know, well-spoken and famous colleague here at the table, has said, which is that the tactic can't be the strategy. We've, we've enabled the tactic to become a failed strategy and a failed narrative.
0: But Rashid, if the... Coming back to the question that your opponents put a minute ago, if the, if the goal of the strategy is to destroy al-Qaeda physically, what alternative is there to drones to reach them in these places where it's very hard to get to?
1: Well, you know, I, th- I think there's no doubt that, you know, there are obviously ungoverned areas, and uh, the Pakistanis have not been active enough in, in, in undermining and destroying al-Qaeda. But I also think that, you know, U.S. policy has, has – um, uh, there's been enormous tension between the U.S. and Pakistan over the years, mm-hmm. as there has been between Yemen and and the U.S. Now it's not all centered around drones, but it's centered around, frankly, a lack of long-term strategy and vision by both countries, um, and both are to blame. Now I think you know we, what we need is much greater diplomacy and um, you know diplomatic efforts to strike better relationships. We had a situation where, as you know, but, but, but just so just to get to,
0: to my point, and I'll then. I'll continue are you saying, therefore, that that a campaign at this point to continue to try to kill al Qaeda uh, operatives, planners, etc, strategists by the United States is is ill founded they should stop trying to kill them by drones or
1: any other means No, no, I think they should continue trying to kill them. They should be urging the Pakistanis to do much more mm-hmm. this to do this is the problem okay. you know, okay. The-
2: well, yeah, there's, there's a lot of mythology about what SEALs and drones can do together, and I think what the American people look at joystick warfare and think, well, why not have SEALs and drones fix everything? But that, that's also not a strategy.
0: Ma'am? Uh, Mike is coming down from the, uh, the aisle for you. Hi. Uh,
1: sorry. My name is Colleen Quinn. This, this question is for Admiral Blair. Admiral, I was very pleased to see that you are also a member of the uh, Security Leadership Council of Securing America's Future Energy. So you,
0: you all here today are talking about, you know, overall strategies for the U.S. And one of the things that particular council talks about is how we can, frankly, you know, develop alternative energies to, so that we can – Ma'am, not- I, I, I apologize. Oh, sorry. I, I, I need the topic to be on, oh, on the motion. Oh, okay. But sorry. thanks anyway. You missed my briefing.
2: Right down the front, right? But But you can chat afterwards. I think it's a great cause. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) That's an easier debate for you to have, that's for sure. (laughs) Could you stand, please? Thanks.
4: Yes. Um, Ellie Roth. I just want to know, who decides what drones are to be sent out? Is it the CIA that tells the uh, military? That's the mystery. That When we hear about drone strikes, we don't understand... Who's responsible? Who's made the decision? Is it policy? Is it someone who's mad okay. at someone? We,
0: I'll, get, I'll get, let these guys answer your question. Uh, let's go to uh, Admiral Blair, tennis player.
3: Right. The the decision on uh, what is a t- target that can be struck either by a military or by a or by an intelligence uh, CIA drone is made under uh, criteria that are approved by the White House, that are then promulgated, and a series of officials, including. Uh, lawyers, uh, officials in the in each of those agencies in the chains of command then apply them to actual names of of uh, Al Qaeda and other combatants. Once they satisfy the criteria, then they are a legitimate target. At that point, the question is: Can you truly tell? Is that a person that you found and can strike? And is there a Uh, relatively uh, small level of collateral damage, that is, innocent people around that person before you make the strike. That's how it's done. So, Dennis
0: Blair, your your opponent, Ahmed Rashid, has mentioned, and I said that I would get back to this, this whole notion of signature strikes in which the target is chosen by a pattern of suspicious-looking behavior, maybe going frequently to a house where there are known to be bad guys. And then he's tracked back to his house. You don't know his name. You don't know who he is, but he's targeted because of the association or some other pattern that I'm unfamiliar with. And I want to know, do you, do you put that into a different category? Is that morally more challenging an issue when you don't actually have the name but you just have a kind of profile? It is. Norton Schwartz. Uh,
4: it, it certainly is. Now, signature strikes in a declared combat area are different than those that occur outside declared combat areas. And, I, and the criteria are different. Uh, but the bottom line is, if in a combat area, if, if, the, if the individual or individuals appear to be hostile, you can engage them uh, in, in the context of that signature of hostility. On the other hand, activities in non-combat areas, and this does apply to Pakistan, I would argue, um, it is much more problematic to conduct signature strikes uh, there or, or elsewhere where it's not a declared combat yeah, zone. You know,
3: I, I can talk about those because I receive the phone calls every t- every time uh, we conducted a cocktail strike. This was up through the middle of 2010. And I think that the administration has been really derelict in not talking about these because they are based on the uh, defense of uh, – the self-defense of American and Afghan forces. These signature strikes that were conducted in Pakistan, all of them during my time, and the great majority overall, had to do with armed groups of men who were coming out of known Taliban, and known Taliban TTP areas on roads headed towards Afghanistan, and we knew that they were not friendly. They were armed. We know what their arms were and we knew that they were coming to attack Afghans and Americans and others, and we killed them before they could do that.
0: I want to let Ahmed Rashid respond to that, but first, I want to remind you that we are in the question and answer section of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate. I'm John Donvan, your moderator. We have four debaters, two teams of two, debating this motion, The U.S. Drone Program is Fatally Flawed.
1: Ahmed Rashid, signature I, strike. I, I just want to answer the question that the lady posed, which I think we should go back to. And, and I think you're absolutely right. Um, for the Admiral to describe the individuals who are involved in this decision-making doesn't give us the criteria. I mean, what is the criteria for choosing who's going to live and who's going to die? The fact is... The U.S. media itself has portrayed that you know the president is sitting there ticking off on a list as to who's going to live and who's going to die, or today, or today who's going to be drone or not. Now, I mean, we have no idea what the criteria is, how these people are chosen. You know, uh, is there what is the level of evidence about them being uh, al Qaeda? Now, I'm not asking for all this to be made public, but I think you know there must be much a much greater degree of satisfaction that. People understand, you know, why these targets are being chosen. And that is just not there at all.
2: I agree. I agree. Well, can I add, I mean, it became a live issue in the United States only when an American citizen was killed. So all my Afghan and Pakistani friends are like, well, you guys care when it's an American kid named Malaki that's killed, but not when when our cousins and, and brothers are killed.
4: Lalaki was a self-declared combatant
2: The son of, I mean, the 16-year-old I mean, Again, that still hasn't come out But all I'm saying is that, again, the battle is, is a battle that involves them more than us And it's a narrative that I think is really the challenge here and, and I think in some ways we agree more than we disagree on who's winning and who's losing that narrative
4: So the adverb here is important,
0: fatally I'm going to take another question right down the front here Um, Folks, if you're upstairs and raising your hands, I apologize. Number one, I can't see you. Um, And we don't have mics up there. But if you uh, are really um, enthusiastic and come down through the back doors, I'll find you. But if you do that, really make it a good question. Uh, Hi, my name is John D'Agostino. This question is for the four uh, side, Uh, particularly uh, John. You've made the point uh, several times uh, talking about our allies, quote, uh, indictment of this policy. I presume by that you mean Pakistan. How do you reconcile that indictment with their cooperation? And consequently, how much of that indictment is actually hypocrisy?
2: Well, yeah, I should have defined ally. I'm talking about the, the people that I dealt with on the ground. So whether they were in host or in Helmand, or even in Fallujah, although the, the, the drones weren't armed then. I'll let Ahmed take the bigger issue of the Pakistani, maybe duplicity, and I'm sure there's a lot of double winks that go on every day of the week over there. But my my concern is the allies that actually are the future leaders of Afghanistan, the university students, the Madrasa students, the tribal elders, the Mullahs, the whole host of people that get killed in these drone strikes when they go wrong. Because I don't think the Taliban hold up a red flag. I know they don't and say, I'm Taliban. What happens is, is there's a bad guy in the family, or a bad guy in the village and we identify maybe he's a bad guy and we, we drop a hellfire and then you turn three villages against us. It goes to the ratio and the equal sign. I'll come back to it. Yes to the woman I thought who asked a very good question uh, elaborated on by you, our moderator, is the number of enemies we're making and the number of targets we're making. And I'll defer to you, Ahmed, on the question about his point on as far as the Pakistan government or the Pakistan.
0: Yeah, what, why don't you let Ahmed get to, to that? Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, can I just say one thing first? And that is that most European U.S. allies, al- allies of the U.S. in Europe, are against drones. Um, as far as I know, only the British have openly, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, support the U.S. policy of drones. Most other Europeans, uh, European governments and European parliaments are against it. And what, been- what,
0: what does it mean against it, that they want it to stop completely? Sorry? They want a total cessation of the use of drones in yes. that area? Yes, I mean, okay. Just they to do,
1: out. or they want greater transparency, or they want, um, a greater information as to, you know, um, uh, but in other words, nobody in the world, basically, is backing, uh, the U.S. use of drones. And I think that's very, that's a point that is often completely forgotten in, you know, in the American media. Let, and, me, let me ask your opponents, uh, is, is in, that relevant? In the American that,
0: public. Is that relevant? No, uh, Dennis Blair, and I'll come back to you.
3: Well, I mean, <laughs> what's your evidence, Mr. Rashid? No one in the world uh, well, now acts we're counting the u- everybody use of world. drones? I mean, can you be a little more specific?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, I- are you, Can you give at me? me resolutions
2: by legislatures in other countries? Can you give me... Well, act- I, with all due speak- respect, I, mean- I, I haven't heard a lot of, you know, rah-rah drones, and I've been in the State Department for 12 years, so I'll, I'll help my friend out here, that whether NATO raises their arm and says, we approve the drone program, I know General Dunford and his political advisor, Cardinal Cajun, have their hands full all the time on these issues, but... Is it a popular thing? I highly doubt that. I, I, I don't mean, it's know. It's not any, a
3: popular thing in the United States. We it, don't like well, killing people. But, but,
2: we only do it when we have to. Well, I'm not sure we only go when we have to. I think it's 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 actually I think easier for the American people to think it's joystick warfare and send in SIL Team Six, and that's also another issue that we could get into. Well, I would simply, I would simply say that the
3: the drones are handled with the same care concern, discrimination that the armed forces of the United States and other American agencies handle all other weapons which they know can kill the innocent as well as the, the enemy. And uh, drones uh, are used with the same set of procedures, and I think their inherent characteristics allow them to be more on the side of killing those who they intend to kill with fewer others.
0: Dennis Blaine, let me follow up on that and, and ask you this question. It came up a little bit before. S-
3: sometimes,
0: in certain circumstances, some weapons seem to raise different moral or ethical challenges to their use. Nuclear weapons, classic example. Chemical Your opponents have, have used the word sinister about drones, that they're different somehow. You, I think, alluded to the fact that maybe presidents will be tempted to use drones a great deal more because U.S. casualties are, are, are lower, that there's always going to be a temptation for a president. What, what about this notion that there's a, a, a different, perhaps sinister quality to the weapon itself because it's in a different
2: category?
3: I'll, I'll, I mean, General Schwartz was involved in it much more closely than, than I was, but I, uh, I was pretty, pretty close to it. There's a novelty factor, anything that's... New and long range and all is it seems inherently more fascinating, sinister, and interesting we 've seen that with new weapons as they over the generations as they as they come along certainly uh, the, the sort of media discussion centers on drones i mean we 're not having an intelligence square debate about overall U.S. policy against al-Qaeda. We're talking about drones. Why? Because it's sexy and it's new and, it's, and it, and it no, has a would lot would of it overtime, were chemical so. weapons. I mean, I'm not so comparing I, them, but... No, but I think we, the media effect is important in this, yeah, John. Okay, I, I think novelty, media, it tends to give it that overwhelming force that uh, Mr. Rashid has has talked about. I think we have to get beyond that to what are the actual facts about uh, what's going on on the battlefield. Are we achieving our objectives? Are we Are we not? narrative schmerative you know it's it's are you uh, are you getting uh, to your to your objectives which are to be able to defeat to the taliban the and protect americans yeah
0: Sorry, ten here yes michael michael come for you
3: my name is robert klein we have to vote and what, what i've heard from this side is that the use of drones is indiscriminate without a lot of substantiation in my view and from this side i've heard Incredible amounts of care and preparation and diligence before drones are launched, which is the more
0: accurate of the two because on the face of it, that would be the basis of our vote. <laughs> Mr. Kleiner's also always the undecided category <laughs> <laughs> but but it is their task to persuade you.
4: It's a question of who's more credible mm-hmm. i you know, <laughs> seriously though <laughs> i, I you take your points. point i. Based on the available numbers, again, I, I would go back to that. You can question Long War Journal. you can question the U.N. studies, and, and so on. The New America Foundation is another organization that monitors this. But the num- from 2006 to the present time in Afghanistan, the estimate is that, that drones have engaged and killed some 2,600. Uh, Al-Qaeda and Taliban combatants. Out, the, the same organization estimates about 330 civilian casualties. Now, once again, please don't take the, the that my view is that it doesn't matter. It matters a hell of a lot, and I think Cale and, and, and Mr. Rashid have made this point. It matters a lot. But you You have to keep this in perspective, and the numbers are pretty clear one to seven, one to five you know you you can say that that's that's uh, um, you know anecdotal, but it's the best we have and i and and my point is is that I know what the kids do, and I would ask all the parents in here. If your youngster, as we were talking out in the reception earlier, was on the ground, what would you prefer to have in the air? Something that passes over in 30 seconds and goes away? Or something that is overhead constantly and provides surveillance and an ability to engage the enemy that might well keep that soldier, sailor, airman, marine safe? I know what my answer as a commander is.
2: Well, again, General, I I get that point to an extent. I had lived five out of my seven years in these wars with Marine grunts. Surveillance overhead is a part of war. The issue is when the the drones strike, what the net effect is. In host province on the border with Pakistan, I can tell you when those one to five, one to seven, I think numbers to me is not an issue I like to get into because it's that equal sign, which is how many – How many family members, tribal members, community members are affected by one loss of life? The IED strikes are where most of our guys are losing their legs. So do the IEDs go up? When an operation like that goes wrong And you've got a cousin in Miram You've got brothers in Miriam Shai, And you live in host I would argue, with all due respect That the odds of getting a Marine or a soldier's legs blown off Go up because of this program Not okay. go down that, that,
4: That's your view My yeah. view is killing bomb makers
0: makes the numbers go down Fair enough
2: It's, it's two sides of a Sir, tough issue Right in
0: the center there uh, And a mic will come down f- up the aisle It's coming from your left hand side, yeah. If you can state your name, please. Yeah. Um, my name is Peter Burgess. Um, I was in Afghanistan just after the Soviets withdrew, so you know I have a bit of a feeling for the neighborhood. Um, the question is, is the drone program fatally flawed, or some words to that effect.
4: That's exactly
0: um, it.
1: <laughs> we used to talk about Nation building. We used to talk about not having failed states. Can somebody please explain to me how a drone addresses the issue of nation building and stopping failed states?
0: I I think it's not
3: intended to, though. Is it? It's intended to kill the Taliban so that they don't keep the nation builders from going and doing their job.
1: I, I think you're going
0: to be our, our last activity. question, and uh, I've been saving you because you have had the most vigorous arm-waving of anyone tonight.
4: You worked. Uh, my question is for the side arguing against the motion. Does the fact that um, the drone program uh, cuts down on Ameri- uh, American armed forces casualties, does that enable U.S. to engage in more reckless conflicts around the world? Look, I mean, this is, this is the fundamental question. Remember, that is not a military call. That, that is a call for civilian leadership, where we go and what we do. And, and there is an argument that, that fewer American casualties might encourage political leadership to be more aggressive or more reckless. There is that potential. But that's what best military advice is all about. Remember, we have a chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff who is the president's principal military advisor. And if you've watched Mike Mullen or Marty Dempsey or, or in, in his day, Denny Blair, offer military advice, it's not to encourage political leadership to be reckless. Ultimately, we salute. But the key thing here is that That is a legitimate concern, but it is one that the military, the uniforms, feel personally.
3: And I'd say if you see a political candidate who thinks a few American casualties are okay, but a lot are not, I wouldn't vote for him.
0: Ahmed Rashid, when you say that it's already becoming a strategy as opposed to a tactic, do you think that dynamic is already in play, that that presidents are authorizing these strikes in part
1: because they can without a cost back home? Yes, I think so. I, th- I, I think that's very true. And uh, uh, I fear very much that given the uh, turmoil in going on now in the Middle East and other parts of the world, the reluctance of the Americans and the Europeans to want to get involved in um, uh, uh, by putting troops or peacekeepers or anything on, on, on the ground, we're going to get more and more of this, that we throw technology at the problem. We throw drones at the problem. Um, and, and, and that, I think, is going to be a very, very dangerous uh, world to live in, frankly.
0: And that but, concludes round two of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate, where our motion is the U.S. drone program is fatally flawed. And remember, you voted just before the debate, and right after this uh, very brief section, two-minute closing statements by each debater in turn, you'll get to vote again. So on to round three. Round three, closing statements by each debater in turn. We'll do these from our seats, uh, uh, General. By, uh, round three are closing statements by each debater in turn. They will be two minutes each. And here to summarize his position against the motion, Norton Schwartz. He's former chief of staff of the U.S. Air Force. Ladies and gentlemen, Admiral Norton Schwartz. a gen- Uh, uh, General General Norton Schwartz.
4: Denny wishes I was an admiral. Um, Maybe some people in the Air Force would have, too. I don't know. Um, Let me just say that I think that our partners here in the debate tonight have expressed absolutely legitimate concerns. And while we've jousted a bit, It's been done with respect and and an appreciation for their passion and their conviction on this issue. I'd just like to relate a quick vignette. Um, In earlier days, when I was flying airplanes, I flew a gunship, AC-130. It's a C-130 with guns on it. And there was one occasion when I remember the following call came from the ground. And it was this Troops in contact need help now. When an airman hears, no matter what service, Navy, Army, Marine Corps, Air Force, hears, Troops in contact need help now, there is an immediate response. And it is visceral. But not necessarily as accurate or as coherent as you might like it to be if you were, if you could have been there for hours prior and will remain there for hours after, which is the case with the remote aircraft or the drone technology today. I would just conclude by saying that use of drones is neither sport nor a failed tactic. And you must vote against the proposition and the adverb fatally.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Norman Schwartz. Our motion is the U.S. drone program is fatally flawed. And here to argue, here to share his closing statement in support of the motion, John Cal Weston. He is former State Department advisor to Marine units in Iraq and Afghanistan. Ladies and gentlemen, John Cal West. Thank you.
2: Thank you, and I, I, would, I would echo what the general just said. I, this is raising the level of debate, and we shall be grateful for that. I've got two minutes, and I'm going to run through these pretty quickly. I opened with a quiz uh, about what words or nouns, adjectives, you think they associate with the United States of America after 12 years of constant warfare? I don't have time to to ask you what those words are, but occasionally I would hear words like Apple. They had the Apple phone, Obama, money. But unfortunately, toward the top of that list was D for drones. It wasn't D for democracy. It actually, to be frank, wasn't the nation building. It was, it was the CT. It was the t- counter terrorist platform. Um, and I think we should think about that. Do we want that to be kind of at the top of the list of what they think about us after 12 years, billions of dollars, thousands of Americans killed, over 100,000 Iraqis, et cetera, et cetera? The second point I'm going to now just cite. Uh, to the question of what happened on May 1st, 2010. Uh, I think it was Admiral Blair who referenced this and I'll add a little detail. It was Faisal Shah- Shahzad who just a few blocks from here tried to blow up a blue 1993 Nissan Pathfinder. In that Pathfinder was three twenty gallon propane tanks, a big uh, green metal gun locker that contained a metal pressure cooker, pot, 250 pounds of urea-based fertilizer, and eight plastic bags with 120 M88s. The New York City Police Commissioner Ray Kelly said the bomb would have killed many. The police later on said it would have had shrapnel and probably killed mostly tourists, but a number of people. Uh, What did Faisal Shahzad say? New Yorkers get that. Uh, (laughs) I used to ride my mountain bike through there, but I didn't go very often. Faisal Shahzad was asked by a judge what motivated him to try and blow up that Nissan. Here's what he said. Well, the drone hits in Afghanistan and Iraq, he said finally. They don't see children. They don't see anybody. They kill women, children. They kill everybody. It's a war. And in war, they kill people. One final point. Boston Marathon bombing, April fifteenth, two 2013. I don't have time to read what Dokhar Tsarnaev said, but basically he said the same thing. We Muslims are one body. You hurt one. You hurt us all. The U.S. government is killing our innocent John
0: Kale Weston, you're out of time. Thank you very much. Our motion is the U.S. drone program is fatally flawed, and here to summarize his position against the motion, Dennis Blair, former director of national intelligence. Ladies and gentlemen, Dennis Blair.
3: I've listened closely to, uh, to our uh, debaters on, on the other side, and there, there is an awful lot of uh, anecdote and, and generalization there. Let me tell a quick story from November of 2000. Eleven, a U.S. Uh, patrol that was on the eastern border of, of uh, Afghanistan, Pakistan, thought it was being fired on uh, in in the night. Called for uh, close support fire. A U.S.-manned, helicopter, armed helicopter came up uh, under under direction of these ground units. Uh, fired at the units they thought were threatening them, and ended up killing twenty-four Pakistani soldiers. Things happen that are bad in war, whether you are, have manned systems or unmanned systems. Things happen that affect U.S.-Pakistani relations, whether you have manned systems or unmanned systems. This is this is the nature of combat, and you have to make a balanced judgment about it. I, I do find it ironic to be on this side of the motion, because as Mr. Weston said, I, I, I was one of the first people who came out in public against... Some ways in which the drones were being used in Pakistan uh, well over two, well over two years ago. However, I was not against the technology itself. I was against the way it was being used at that at that time. I think we've adjusted since that time. I think that's the nature of this dynamic uh, campaign against uh, a group that's uh, shown it's killed, wanted to kill us and has killed us in the past and wants to kill us in the future. So, I believe you have to vote against this. D- against this motion. That doesn't mean that you like all of the drone program. doesn't mean you think it needs to be adjusted, changed, and the narrative needs to be improved. But I don't think we should take it out of the hands of uh, those who are trying to defend the United States. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Dennis Blair. Our motion is the U.S. drone program is fatally flawed. And here to summarize his position in support of this motion, our final speaker of the evening, Ahmed Rashid, a journalist and author of Pakistan on the Brink. Ladies and gentlemen, Ahmed Rashid.
1: Vielen Dank. I would just hope that you would consider the long-term implications of what drones mean, will mean in the future for the United States. The day that your enemies get hold of drones and use drones against Americans. Uh, the day that even your allies, that that, that drones become a kind of free-for-all in this world. After all, the whole crisis that we are facing today over Syria is that the danger of chemical weapons becoming a free-for-all. Because so many rogue states hold chemical weapons, and if you allow this one to get Away, then others can follow suit quite easily. Um, and and the the other thing I really like to talk uh, mention here is that um, the use of drones has immensely complicated uh, America's relations with its allies. You look at the situation in in three countries where drone bases have been set up secretly: Pakistan, Saudi Arabia, and Yemen. The U.S. set up drone bases with the help of the local regimes. Um, which were invariably dictatorships of one kind or another. Um, they lied to their own people, these governments. They lied and said, no, no, there's no such thing as U.S. bases here. There's no drone bases here at all. These are, people are being killed by artillery shells or by bombing or something else. Um, and what happened was that, you know, the, the public became more and more anti-regime and anti-American which led to political crises um, in certainly two of these three countries. And it could well still lead to a political crisis in Saudi Arabia. So you have now such a complicated scenario operating where drones are creating, I mean, one weapon. One weapon, and the use of this weapon, is creating um, uh, delegitimizing um, regimes in the region and and also creating immense hatred um, for the United States. Now, this is just one aspect of what I see as a future fraught with immense problems related to drones, which we are not even beginning to think about. And, Ahmed consider. Rashid, I'm
0: sorry that at that point particularly your time is up. Thank you very much. And that concludes our closing statements, and now it's time to learn which side you feel argued the best. We're going to have you go to the keypads at your seats again and vote a second time. And I'll remind you that it's the team whose numbers move from the first vote to the second vote, most in percentage point terms, who will be declared our winner. Push number one, if you agree with this statement, as argued by this side, the U.S. drone program is fatally flawed. Push number two, if you disagree with that statement, you agree with the arguments made by this side. That's number two. And if you're undecided, became undecided or remain undecided, push number three. You can ignore the other keys, and we'll lock it out in about 15 seconds, and we'll have the results in about 90 seconds. Um, and while we're doing that, one thing I want to do, I, I felt that this debate tonight had a... Uh, uh, an emotional undertone to it These are very, very passionate issues And difficult ones And yet the level of the debate Was uh, re- remarkably civil And informed and respectable So I want to congratulate All of our debaters For bringing that And I'd also, uh, I'd also like to thank Everybody who got up To ask a question There were all good questions tonight So thank you for that And nobody debated the debaters And that was even better So thank you to all of us all of Uh, I want to point out that tonight uh, the president's giving a speech in uh, 32 minutes. Uh, he's laying out the case for military action in Syria um, following this, uh, this uh, suggestion put forward by the Russians um, to have international monitors go in and, uh, and lock down the chemical weapons. It's only a month ago, actually, that Intelligence Squared was in Aspen, and we debated the following motion. The U.S. has no dog in the fight in Syria um, so in light of that speech, I thought you would, uh, would like to hear what the results of that debate were. Uh, again, um, the motion was the U.S. has no dog in the fight in Syria. At the end of the debate, 61% of the live audience in Aspen was in support of that motion, and that was a gain for them of 21 percentage points. 33% were against, so they only picked up 3 percentage points. So that was a clear win for the side that was voting to keep America out of this fight. Um, as it happens... One of those winning debaters is with us tonight, Richard Falconrath. Um, just want to ask you to take a, a little bow. He was dying to ask a question tonight, but you're a stage guy, not an audience guy. Um, I'd like to, uh, to also... Um, uh, just to remind you about tweeting about the debate, our Twitter handle is at IQ2US. We're delighted if you tweet afterwards uh, your reaction to uh, how it was handled and the result of the vote. The hashtag is drones. Our next debate uh, is on October 16th. Here, the motion is Break Up the Big Banks. Um, supporting the motion, supporting the breakup. Richard Fisher, he's president and CEO of the Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas, and his partner is Simon Johnson. He's a professor at MIT Sloan School of Management and former chief economist at the International Monetary Fund. Opposing them, opposing the bank breakup. Douglas Elliott, he is a fellow at the Brookings Institution and a former investment banker, and Paul Saltzman, who is president of the Clearing House Association, which is America's oldest banking association. Um, other topics coming up this fall include the global job market, the Second. Amendment and the case for going vegan. Um, (laughs) Tickets are available at our website for that one, www.iq2us.org. On Friday, October 18th, we'll be in California debating this motion for a better future live in a red state. Watch the. uh, You can watch that live streamed. Uh, It's going to be noon on the East Coast and 9 a.m. on the West Coast. Of course, uh, as we've said before, our our live stream is on Fora.tv, but you can also hear our debates, including this one, on NPR stations around the country and on WNYC. And our website has uh, uh, information updated on all of these items. So we have the final vote results. Remember, the team whose numbers have changed the most in percentage point terms, terms before the debate and after the debate will be declared our winner. The motion is this. The U.S. drone program is fatally flawed the vote went this way before the motion. Twenty-three percent agreed that the program was flawed. Thirty-four percent were against. Forty-three percent were undecided. Those are the first results. Remember, now it's this change in votes. The second vote, the U.S. drone program is fatally flawed. The team arguing for the motion, their second vote was 23 percent. They gained zero. That is the number to beat. The team arguing against the motion, their first vote was 34%. Their second vote was 64%. That's a gain of 30 percentage points. The motion, the U.S. drone program is fatally flawed, has been defeated. Our congratulations to that team. Thank you for me, John Donvan, and Intelligence
1: Squared U.S. We'll see you next time.